When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Welcome to another episode of Open the Voice Gate. It's been a while, but this is not going to be a normal episode of the show. Indeed, the rest of my co-hosts will be back probably tomorrow, maybe next weekend. We're still working that out, but for a more normal episode to discuss recent happenings. Instead, what we have for you today is a very special timeline episode of Open the Voice Gate. Um, so you may have heard my appearance on Michael Spears' show a couple weeks back, which is the excellent Inside the Gate podcast you should all be listening to. And we discussed the first three heel units in Dragon Gate history, which were, of course, Aganisu, Blood Generation, Muscle Outlaws. Today, we are going to discuss the next three heel units in Dragon Gate, Real Hazard, Deep Drunkers, Team Doi. And I published an article back on February 23rd on, the, on all three of those units. So basically, we're just going to try to discuss 
their legacy and further and what they what they really meant to the history of Dragon Gate. And this is something I want to do more of going forward on this podcast because Dragon Gate has, I think, the most interesting history of any of the Japanese promotions, both in and out of character. Um, so before I go on anymore, I should introduce my two co-hosts. First of all, Michael, like I just mentioned, he had me on his show a few weeks back, and now we are returning the favor. Michael is an excellent podcast host, um, a guy I just discovered I actually <laughs> knew 11 years ago without even knowing it. So how's it going today, Michael? It's going well. It's kind of funny how these things kind of turn out. It feels like that was a lifetime ago, but yeah, we kind of have our long-reaching history now, I guess. FWO444 for life. Yeah, there you go. Um, and then we also have here, we're very pleased to be joined by Brad Garoon. Um, Brad, if you don't know, used to do a lot of, um, well, I think, do, do you still do the Dragon Gate reviews? No, so I actually haven't done a Dragon Gate review in quite a few years. Okay, I thought so. Yeah. I, I just, I was about to be like, I hope I'm not insulting no, him. No. I'd be like, oh, he's still been doing it, and I'm the one reading. But um, I used to, I, I remember your reviews from this time period. So, so Brad basically reached out to me to see if we would be interested in having him on. Which, of course, you know, why wouldn't we? He's a, he's you know, a, one of the foremost Dragon Gate English experts. I, I feel, and. Yeah. Uh, like and, and once he reached out, I realized he would be perfect for this kind of episode because I I like distinctly remember your reviews in 2010 especially. I think that's probably when I was reading you the most. I remember your reviews during the period that Deep Drunkers became Team Doi, that became Blood Warriors. So you, for sure, I I know that you know this period well. But um yeah, but what? um this is actually it's like shortly after I moved to New York and was do it was in graduate school, so I had a lot of extra time to really dive deep into Dragon Gate and uh, and do a lot of reviews. But, yeah, I was really stoked when I heard that there were Drag- Dragon Gate podcasts that were, um, you know, really making an effort to talk about this stuff because uh, back in the day for Pro Wrestling Ponderings, I did a Dragon Gate podcast. But, you know, I don't know how you guys do it. This stuff takes a lot of time to get going. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky that I have Voices of Wrestling supporting me, you know, and they, they, they basically took care of all the difficult parts of, like, where you're going to host it, you know, who's where you're going to upload it to, all that stuff. So, you know, thankful to Rich and Joe. I guess it's a good point to thank them. Um, all right. So before we get into um, the first unit, I guess we should talk about where we left off if you didn't hear the first podcast. So Muscle Outlaws is about to come to a close. Um, they have one of the most wild, like, unit, um, you know, dissension periods I could ever remember. Do you have any memory of that? Were you watching at this point, Brad, in early 2008? Yeah. Um, so this was, I mean, honestly, I think this is peak Dragon Gate. So, yeah, I agree. So um, this is actually when I became aware of Dragon Gate because I was living in Kalamazoo, Michigan, going to a lot of shows in Chicago and Detroit. And that was when Dragon Gate came in for the anniversary, not the anniversary shows, the WrestleMania shows. Um, it was uh, the first, it was, uh, what is it? Not the Blood Warriors. Um, uh, the... Not, and it wasn't muscle. It wasn't uh, man. My this is a Saturday morning brain fart right here. It wasn't. Uh, help me out. Well, muscle outlaws. Was it uh, Blood Generation Dude Fixer? Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Blood Generation and Dude Fixer came in first. Uh, can we swear on this podcast? I don't have. To. Sure. Why? Why not? Okay. So I pretty much like <laughs> shat my pants when I saw these guys live. Um, oh, so jealous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah was, well, you. So wait, we were in the same room then, I guess, because I was at that too. Oh, so cool. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah so that was awesome. I was actually living. Uh, my roommate at the time in college was Jimmy Jacobs, so that was how I got tied into all that. 
Um, not as cool as one might think. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, burying Jimmy I'm, Jacobs here on the podcast. He's a very nice guy. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that stuff just blew my mind. And then they came back the next year as um, uh, the Muscle Outlaws and uh, New Hazard and uh, whatever Shima's uh, Typhoon. Right, so this was really the Typhoon New Hazard Muscle Outlaws period was just unbelievable, and I still don't think that there's a better um, Dragon Gate match that's happened since the Do Fixer um, Blood. This is still happening. You guys just said it. <laughs> Doing it again. Elimin- blood, blood generation. Blood generation. Jesus Christ. Uh, I still think that's the best match in Dragon Gate history, and they did a really great job of bringing that match to the United States too. Not quite as good. Uh, in the states as it was in Japan. Uh, so you're talking about the two out of three falls one, right? I think that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that one that's one of my favorites of all time. It's too. it's the I I still think it's the best match in Dragon Gate history. Uh, it's the only match I think I've ever as if these snowflakes matter. It's the only match I've ever given five stars to. Um, period. I think. And uh, yeah, sorry, that was a really long-winded and kind of um, ham-fisted way of saying yes. I was very into the product at the time. Yeah, the 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 Muscle Outlaws New Hazard Do Fixture feud was amazing, or not, or Typhoon. I'm sorry, Muscle Outlaws New Hazard Typhoon feud. That's probably my favorite period of Dragon Gate too. And then you get into early 2008, which is the like five month unit dissension period, which I think is the longest in history. I don't think there's ever been a period where it was clear that the units were gonna break up but it took them that long to get there. Like, really, Doi and Yoshino didn't, were, started having dissension with the rest of the unit in January, when, um, before Yoshino was going to challenge Shima for the Dream Gate. And then it kind of just went on and on and on. And then finally, I believe on... I have the date here somewhere. I think it was the uh, Dead or Alive cage match was the final. Yeah. Was the end. That was like the, yeah, that was like the last... You know, oh, they officially withdrew on May 9th. There we go. So that lasted like five months. That was a long dissension period. And then, of course, they ended up starting their own unit, which was World One. Um, so that's basically where the heel unit is at this point. We're down to four people. We have Gamma, Genki Horikuchi, and Yusushi Kanda, who have been with Muscle, Out- Muscle Outlaws for a little while. And then you had Yamato, who had just turned a new hazard in April. Um, for those who don't know, new hazard was the second, the Dragon Gate 2 born only unit. So that would be um, BB Hulk, Shingo Takagi, Yamato, and Cyberkong. Plus they also had El Generico, Shinobu, like some other random, Jack Evans was in there too, as like, uh, you know, Gaijin assistants and outsider assistants in the case of Shinobu. But, so Yamato turned on them after a long period where he was, he was always kind of like the most heelish member of New Hazard, and he, like, didn't get along with Hulk. He basically thought he should have been in all these championship teams instead of Hulk, because Hulk, Shingo, and Kong won the Triangle Gate titles twice, and Shingo and Hulk won the GHC Junior Tag Team titles from Yoshino and Doi, who had beaten a Noah team. I don't even remember who they beat. But, um... It was Kenta <laughs> and Taiji Shimori, I think. Well, no, Kenta and Ishimori beat them for the titles. They also beat Kenta and Ishimori. No, maybe it was Kanemaru and some other guy. Yeah, I remember Kenta and Taiji Ishimori winning the titles because that was huge at the time. Because like, remember, that happened in Dragon Gate, and Taiji Ishimori, the Toyumon X ace, showing up in Dragon Gate, even as a Noah rep, was kind of like mind-blowing. But um, anyway, so, so that was the main issue. 
you know, Mato had a, a lot of trouble with Hulk being in these teams and basically thought he should be out of these teams instead. So he turned on the arrest of New Hazard in April, April 17th, 2008, to join Muscle Outlaws. So you have these four guys left in Muscle Outlaws at the time. Um, and that will trans, transition us well into the formation of Real Hazard, the first unit we're going to talk about. So we'll be back in a second with Real Hazard. The of the jungle, the stronger. So real hazard. So again, the last four members of Muscle Outlaws with no Yoshino and Doi were Gamma, Genki Horiduchi, Yamato, and Yashuchi Kanda. Um, the remaining members of New Hazard, Hulk, Shingo, and Cyber Kong, basically promised to make Yamato pay for this betrayal. They even declared, because they were so united, Shingo and Cyber agreed to appear as BB Shingo and BB Kong. On the May 14th, 2008 Kirk and Hall show, Hulk had been asking for this for a long time, I believe. So for one night only, they agreed they would dress just like Hulk, and three would perform Hulk's signature dance together. Do you guys remember this dance? It was kind of hilarious. Well, I don't know how you can forget the dance, because I'm sure, as you're about to mention, and not, not to bury the lead or anything, but it leads to probably the best heel turn I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it. It's one of the moments in Dragon Gate history that just kind of is etched in my memory, if only for how ridiculous Kong was and BB Hulk's <laughs> get up coming out to the ring. But yeah, it was uh, what happened that night and the formation of what would happen with Real Hazard and World One was one of the moments that early in my Dragon Gate fandom really sticks out to me. Yeah. So, so Shingo and Hulk performed the dance as promised before immediately turning on Hulk, beating the crap out of him. So they all shake hands with Gamma and Yamato, announcing the formation of Real Hazard. So that basically brings together New Hazards, Kong, and Shingo with the remaining Muscle Outlaws members. Um, so Dory and Yoshino quickly come to Hulk's aid, establishing that Hulk is going to be a new member of World 1. And they had an impromptu Triangle Gate match with Shingo, Yamato, and Gamma beating Dory, Yoshino, and Hulk to give Real Hazard subtitles on the very first night. So I, I feel like we should talk about the excitement of this, because like you guys just mentioned, it was an amazing heel turn, and Real Hazard felt like a really cool unit right from the start. It didn't turn out that way, I don't think, and we're going to talk talk more about that. But night one, I feel like Real Hazard was awesome. That's one of, like, that's one of the best 
heel turns ever. Yeah. What you oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, and just from the outset, they had the real Hazard logo, which I think still is one of the best logos and one of the best themes of a uh, unit. And it, they felt like that they were just monsters out of the gate. And the way that that Triangle Gate match happened really cemented that this was a different heel unit. Sadly, as time would come to pass, it didn't really feel that way in the end. But it, at least initially, it felt something new, something fresh. And it really showed how good of a heel Takagi could be. Yeah. Um, actually, I think for American fans especially, this was a big deal because we had sort of become invested in Takagi. He had spent a lot of time in Ring of Honor and in FIP and had come along. And I think um, even CyberKong too. CyberKong had his debut match in the United States. So I think this felt like a big elevating of two guys that American uh, Pearl fans could really get behind. Uh, but as you guys mentioned... Um, Everything after this was kind of handled really poorly. Um, Shingo wasn't wasn't received by Japanese fans as a top level heel at all, and um, and it's also a bummer because it's sort of the end of this few months that were that were all the best matches of 2008 happened from like March to now, uh, and that sort of went away as I hate to say it at the time because I, I find him very entertaining now, but as like Yasushi Kanda got a big push out of this because he was real hazard he sucked at the time and uh and real hazard just became instead of a badass heel group they were a cheating heel group it wasn't what the muscle outlaws were which was kind of what we were hoping for um but i did feel in that moment that it was sort of uh not a nod to american fans because as i think we've learned uh dragon gate doesn't care about american fans (laughs) (laughs) at all right but uh but it did feel like something we'd invested in had really come to to fruition and, and that was a good feeling so I yeah I pretty much agree with all that. Um, so basically I want to mention too that this this turn, this is kind of like the moment the Hulk Shingo relationship went from being like this cool generational rivalry they put aside to be teammates to like these two men hate each other, and it would come up. It comes up to this day. I mean it came up in 2011, obviously during the Blood Warriors thing. It came up. I be, they mentioned it a lot in the build up to their final gate match when Hulk was champion. And, you know, I mean, it's just like, it's really the start of the Hulk shingle thing going from, you know, generational conflict to just like a blood feud. They hate each other because of this, I feel like. Even though Shingo said after the world match, you know, oh, you're not weak after all. It kind of, that kind of got buried in the past and what everybody remembers is the the turn. So I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on what it meant for Hulk Shingo. Uh, well, for one thing, I just want to point out that this is a bit of an anomaly in Dragon Gate, at least from, like, if you're a layman coming in, you've really never watched, and you watch Dragon Gate, it seems like a lot of the matches sort of have the same kind of um, plot and outline. It's it's There's not a lot of story to them, but the Hulk-Shingo matches, um, and then I guess to a lesser extent, the you could look at, like, the Shima-Gamma matches, too. Gamma came in as, like, an anti-Shima, and they had a really cool, interesting, and different feud. And that's what I liked about Hulk and Shingo's dynamic, especially in the match right after the heel turn. The whole match is based around Hulk getting his ass kicked by Shingo and Kong, and how's he going to get out of this? Can he come back, and can his teammates help him? And you don't get a ton of that in Dragon Gate, so I really felt that's what made this feel really fresh and special to me. Yeah, and... Really, this for me felt like the first time that the Dragon Gate office really put the faith behind uh, a a new generation Dragon Gate born feud and put them up top. I mean, 
it would later be because of what, ha- what happened to Shima that they were forced to do it. But it it was something that it's what I think is probably one of the more important feud storylines today with uh, with Dragon Gate. I mean, it's, that was seven years. That was almost eight years ago, and I have a feeling that these two guys are going to be fighting forever. So. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've never been in a unit since, and I don't think they ever will be. They've never been in the same unit, I mean. So, it just, I don't think that'll ever happen. They had, like, that five minutes, that quick five minutes in 2011 that looked like that Hulk was going to be in Junction 3, but that didn't happen. Yeah. So, it, that three. was... Bit... <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so, Shingo... Sh- we should talk next about um the Kobe World thing. So... Does everybody agree that if Shingo had or Shima had not gotten hurt, the main event was going to be Shima Shingo? That seems likely, right? Probably. I mean, there was a chance it could have been a three-way. Um, and I only say that because even before Shima was injured, or it was announced that Shima was injured, they still ran that draw uh, with Hulk and and, um, and Shingo on TV. Yeah, I I thought his, I looking back at like notes from the time from Jay and then from also like. Um, like I, what I what I saw was that everybody knew Shima was hurt, and Shima announced that he was gonna definitely miss Kobe World, I believe the next day. So I don't know if they would have ran that draw if Shima had not been. Yeah, hurt. the only reason I kind of thought at the time, I remember thinking at the time it, it won't just this might have just been me fanboying, but I remember thinking they've already done Shima Shingo on pay per view. What's new here? Um, That's true. And they and they weren't really in the habit of repeating pay-per-view main events at the time. You know, Dragon Gate was still pretty young, only four years old at that point. Um, uh, but, yeah, I, I, at the end of the day, it, it was Shingo getting the title either way. Yeah. So Shima Shingo for Shima's Dream Gate title was going to be the main event, or maybe a three-way. So June 29th, as you just mentioned, Shingo and Hulk did the one-hour draw. Um so would Shingo have turned face so quickly after winning the title if Shima wasn't hurt? I think no, right? I don't think so. Even, even though Japanese fans weren't taken to him, like Brad mentioned, I don't think they would have turned him face immediately. Yeah, I don't know because I think it had a lot to do with that fan reaction. I don't, but maybe it wouldn't have been so so lukewarm if uh, if Shima had still been around. Yeah, I think that if that you were able to do the uh, Plan Kobe World main event, especially with the added storyline that. Shima was uh, was Takagi Senpai. That it, you really, I, I I felt like it. They would have kept him as a heel just a little bit longer, even though it's so uncommon for them to have a heel win at a major pay per view as a go home, and even and even more so at Kobe World. It just it, if Shima's neck was okay, I have a feeling that that they probably would have kept Shingo and Real Hazard a little bit longer and kept the heel turn. Yeah. Also to that point, it was. Not not like completely off the table, but it was uncommon for them to have a heel champion. Yeah. Um, so Shing so Shingo wins the title in the um, in the rematch with Hulk at Kobe World. The title was vacated when Shima announced his neck injury. Shima would not wrestle for the rest of 2008 until December 28th. He did a one-off match team with Liger, and his full-time return wasn't until March 1st, 2009. But um, so Shingo wins the title. He turns face immediately after because he basically saved Shima from a real hazard attack at ringside. I think it was Cyber Kong attacking Shima, and um, Shima had been doing commentary. So it was teased a few weeks earlier at Kirken Hall when Shingo saved Shima from a forced haircut by Tokyo Gurentai, and then Shingo kind of shook hands with Hulk, 
and Real Hazard announced they were kicking him out of the unit for showing compassion to Hulk and Shima. So now, the rest of 08 for Real Hazard is kind of a joke to me. Brad kind of alluded to it earlier. They became such a heavy cheating unit. Does anybody remember who the replacement for Shingo Takagi was in Real Hazard? Who joined right after this? Oh, I know. Only because he was a part of my favorite unit of all time. We're talking about Cyber Kong Sido, brothers. <laughs> Cyber Kong Sido was the man who took over Shingo's spot in Real Hazard. Katsu in a friggin' Cyber Kong suit. That was, needless to say, that was not a suitable replacement. What are you talking about? You don't like more Cyber Kong? <laughs> no. No, wait, I'm just this man. You don't like more? I'm going to leave. Uh, it was just like... I don't know. It was it was funny, but it was it was not a good replacement for Shingo Takagi. And and it felt like that really having Katsuo join really more played into the end of Tozawa Juku more so than having a a replacement for Shingo. So it's just it, I I've always kind of had a little place in my heart for Katsuo just because, but it just yeah it, it not really strengthening the unit at all. It also got Tozawa to go on the diet ser- diet series, which was good. But, yeah, I mean, but we should talk about this for what it really was. Uh, it was something really bad. It was the beginning of the end for heels in Dragon Gate for a long time, right? So yeah. after this, you have a couple years where there is nothing at all interesting on the heel side of Dragon Gate for the first time since Dragon Gate uh, was created. See, I would disagree with you a little bit because I was really into Ryo Saito's heel turn, but once they made it clear that he was just going to be another, like, cheating dude it probably like there was like a few months there where i was like oh, this is interesting maybe they're going to give saito his rank back and they sort of teased they were going to but then they never they never really did. yeah as a general rule so. never believe in a saito push <laughs> that's true um so yeah i mean the rest of 2008 the only thing that really stands out for real hazard is that at least you have the yamakong team um they won the twin gate titles from doing Oshina on october 5th they held them all the way through March. They were a cool team. I liked them a lot. Yeah, that match with Liger and Shima. <coughs> Sorry, excuse it's me. Okay, you all right? I'm dying, apparently, but I'm okay. Uh, um, but, yeah, I, I enjoyed the Yamakong team a lot. I don't know. They were cool. Yeah, I've always liked Kong and multi-man contacts a lot more than as a singles wrestler. And him and Yamato just kind of, they, they kind of worked together. I mean, we saw last year, even when they had a, brief twin gate run that they still had a great amount of chemistry and it was a different chemistry than a lot of other teams i actually think cyber kong gets a really unfair rep he's had a couple of real stinkers in the main event sure there's something about the guy but i'm gonna be really honest here and i'm also a big fan of uh psycho sid so uh, (laughs) i i don't know i just think i think there there was always a big missed opportunity with kong i don't know what that opportunity would have been but I think he he always could have done more. I really like him in tags. I, I don't really have anything against... Like, his singles matches, even when they're not terrible, they usually do bore me. Like, he had that match with, um, I think, with, with T-Hawk or Shimizu or somebody a few months ago. I think it was T-Hawk. And it was, re- it was pretty damn bad. But um, in tag matches and multi-mans, I usually really like the guy. And I think he does all his spots really well and... I don't know. I don't, I don't have. I, I mean, he's always got a spot in my Dragon Gate. Okay, know. I'm just coming to his singles rescue for one more second. We can move on. I promise. <laughs> but he had really good matches with Yoshino. He's had a really good match with BB Hulk. I like uh, one of his singles matches. It's kind of hard to track down the full version of it because on um, on TV they only showed uh, maybe like 
one minute of it, but his title match against Shingo during Shingo's, I think, first run, during this run, uh, was actually pretty good. Um, I just think that crap match with Shima really messed him up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably. Um, I don't remember. I'm trying to remember. his. his he had a title match with Hulk, didn't he? He's, that wasn't very he's good. He's had a couple with Hulk. The most recent one was the uh, one in 2005 that they put third on the card at at Dead or Alive, but he's had a couple. I remember the first one early in Hulk's reign that was a lot better, a lot better. Okay. Yeah, and also the match he had, the match he had with Hulk that I was referring to was before Hulk was champion. I got gotcha. you. Mochizuki, the Mochizuki title match was really good, I thought, but Mochizuki was also like on the, one of the best runs in wrestling history that year. So sure. I don't. <laughs> um, okay, so we get into 2009. Um, this is where all the units, the real hazard shakeup, really comes. So January 15th, you have the Gamma Face turn that I, I'll always remember in my head. Like, one of those things that stands out for me as a Dragon Gate moment is that time. There's, like, a video package on the 2009 Year in Review DVD going over the Conda Gamma feud and how they just kept throwing powder in each other's faces. And there's one where Conda is standing there. He's holding somebody. I don't even remember who. For the powder. The guy moves out of the way. Kanda puts his hands up like, no, don't do it. Gamma sees that he clearly is going to throw it at, Can- at Kanda, pauses, shrugs, and just throws it in Kanda's face anyway. I'll never forget that for the rest of my life. But I love that whole storyline. I don't know. No one else remembers this? Uh, yeah. I, I've, this was like the last time I remember Gamma being a really, really good heel. I thought I've always enjoyed his heel work a lot more than his Osaka 6 work. And I remember this, actually, as soon as you started talking about it, I remember the uh, the moment where Gamma, he did like almost like a smirk shrug, and was like, nope, you're still getting the powder right in the face. <laughs> and that was pretty awesome. So that led to the match where the two of them, where the loser would have to leave Real Hazard. So Gamma won. Theoretically, Kanda has to be ejected. Arakin comes out. He had been without a unit since the end of Juku in mid-November. He assists Kanda. The rest of Real Hazard then attack Gamma, and even though Gamma won the Loser Leaves match, he's the one who gets ejected anyway, because Dragon Gate and stipulations sometimes, not the best mix. Really annoying. <laughs> but um, so but that also means Arakin joins. Yes. Um, I know you love our heel Arakin, um, Michael, so you might as well go ahead and defend your position yeah, and here. I, I'm pretty on record as being the only person in 2016 still being about my main man, Kenichiro Rai. And it was great seeing him go back to his Toriyamon gimmick. And it, especially after so long, kind of just being the, uh, I, I, I think the best way to describe him and Tozawajuku was the guy who was just frustrated with everyone else's shenanigans. So let's pull Awasa aside and let's do our own thing. So it was cool seeing him kind of come out and do this and take back his living day-to-day gimmick, he, being a drunk ruffian, wearing the the full work suit all the time. I, I, I it, it, This probably was right about the downturn in Erican's uh, match quality and really him as a wrestler. Like, this is right about right before where it fell off the cliff. But I, I've always had a soft spot for him, and... Seeing him, at least in 2009 when this started, it felt really fresh to me, especially after that time at Tozawajuku. I have nothing Brad, else yeah. to say about this. <laughs> uh, all I can think about is that this led to that him and Kanda tag team, which is, I don't know, can you defend that? 
I don't want to put the blame on Conda there. And... The blame is not on Conda there. <laughs> There's also, uh, I mean, the Rockin' also had a singles run against Shima for the Brave Gate, and that wasn't so great either. Uh, all I have to say is sometimes you have to have a guy out there that's willing to kind of be your garbage indie guy. And I like that there's still a place for him in Dragon Gate. I uh, just don't think that that's a slot that needs to be filled, to be honest with you. <laughs> kind of making that up. <sighs> I'm, glad, I'm glad we have conflict on this Here's podcast. The other piece. This is good. There was, um, I, I could be conflating two different time periods, but I also feel like this led to a lot more Tokyo Gurentai. Yes, well, I'm, I was going to get into that. That's coming. It's coming, like, in a few months, okay. really, that it really starts. But um, before we get into the garbage that is Tokyo Gurentai, um, Kagatora joins a week later on January 25th for the first time, Kagatora joins. Um, this was right after he came, jumped over from Toriyaman, or from uh, El Dorado, after El Dorado folded at the end of 08, and we could probably do a podcast just on what a disaster that promotion was. All of them. I know. I know it was so bad. Dude, I like. I want. I like Dragon Door too. I really, really, really wanted to like El Dorado. Like I watched all the footage I could find. It's just, it's just impossible to like it. It was just so bad. There was a lot of very bad, but I also think it was charming. <laughs> it, it did have a. Char- it had the Toriyaman charm that Dragon Gate didn't have. I think, like the the Toriyaman sleazy charm. Yeah, it was. It was definitely sleazy. That's, that's the best way to describe it. Sleaze. I mean, I love so many of the wrestlers that were in there. I love, you know, I love a lot of Agon. I really liked a lot of the T2P Toriman X era guys. And I even kind of would have liked the DG Dojo dropouts. But yeah, I mean, they, they really, a lot of them didn't really do anything after it closed. They went to Secret Base, which apparently still exists. I looked it up and it's like, oh my God. This thing is still going. Uh, oh, yeah. Secret Base is going to outlive everything. They're going to run their one <laughs> monthly show in Shinjuku Face or whatever else they're running. And they, they're going to be here at the end of time. He will be, they'll be here at the Apocalypse. Secret Base will make it. Uh, but, yeah. So, Kagatori shows up. That's the, the crux of this. Um, he, he basically promised to wreak havoc on the promotion. So, it made sense when he joined Real Hazard. Um, but he immediately did not get along with... Arkin and Kanda. So within a month, barely more than a month, he returned on them on March 1st when he helped Susumu and Gamma win the Twin Gate. That led to the formation of Warriors 5, which was Susumu, Gamma, the returning Shima, Kagatora. I don't even want to say the fifth guy's name, honestly, but I guess we should. It was Yohei Fujita, renamed to Ryoma. Um, for people who don't know, he was like one of the central players in the animal abuse scandal that year. And thankfully, he has not been seen in Dragon Gate in a very long time. Oh, this guy likes monkeys for some reason. Uh, He's crap. (laughs) I never liked him even before that, honestly. Let's be really fair. Not fair to Ryoma, but, like, let's be really honest about what's going on. I mean, Shingo and Shima both had a lot to do with that, too. That's true. Yeah, and one of the things also about it, the more you kind of hear it and you look into it, it was... They really kind of dodged what could have been a death nail bullet with what happened during that time period because they they were what all happened with with the monkey and all of that. I'm surprised to this day that things that Shingo and Shima still really have their position in wrestling the way that they do after what all happened. I mean, if you hear other stories about what goes on in wrestling. 
I don't know. I mean, I like animals as much as the next guy, which is to say a lot. But this is not the worst of, of stories that you'll hear. Anyway, this is also not about <laughs> bills and wrestling. Wrestling is scummy. Yeah. Let's go ahead and point that out. Um, all right. So the other early 2009 edition was Ryu Saito. We went over that a little bit, but basically um, after Typhoon came to an end at the end of 2008, Saito kind of started talking about starting his own unit. He was gonna, It was going to be him and Susumu because he and Susumu have been an awesome tag team in 07 and 08, you know, the Ryusuka team. Um, and they were, he was trying to recruit BB Hulk to join from World 1, and this ended up all being a sham because he turned on Susumu and joined Real Hazard. Um, at first, I was so into this because I love Ryu. First of all, Ryu Saito is one of my favorites of all time to begin with. And when he transformed from this, like, childlike character he did, even when he was a heel and do-fixer, it was kind of like, what did they get this child into, you know? That was the general vibe. But here, he just, you know, he changed his hair to that mohawk. He was attacking people with chains and trying to cut off their hair. It was really cool. It was a good heel turn. Yeah, and it just, and he reformed the Marha, Marha Hizapa team. I'm so bad at Japanese words, I apologize. Um, to with Genki Horiguchi, they won the Twin Gate, so that was cool. That was probably my lone bright, my lone bright spot for Real Hazard in '09. Um, the rest of '09, though, okay. <laughs> so you lose Yamato. Yamato basically decided he had been the leader after Gamma got ousted. He was the, the latest guy to be like, eh, I don't really need heel tactics. And he goes, he competes in the Best of Super Junior. He only goes two and four, but he still makes a pretty good impression. And he comes back to Dragon Gate, refuses to team with anyone in Real Hazard. Um, June 26, Ryu and Genki come out and ask him to rejoin them. Yamato refuses, announces a joint struggle with Shingo instead, and that would become... He, he basically joined Kamikaze. Um, his replacement, again, this is another another example. After Shingo getting replaced by Kong Sito, we have Yamato getting replaced by MCKZ. Now, I love KZ. KZ is awesome. He is not Yamato. He is never going to be Yamato. He's never going to have his rank. Um, back then, he was even more of a jobber. So, like, it really did not... It was a big step down for Real Hazard. And this is the start of where it kind of feels like, okay, where is the legitimate threat for the heels? Where is the top-line guy for the heels? Because Arakim was kind of recognized as the leader after this, and he was really not a legitimate threat at all. And... You know, Ryu Saito at least had been Dreamgate champion, but he was doing his tag team thing. So, I don't know. This is where it gets bad, and this is where Tokyo Gurantai has really heavy participation. God bless Tokyo Gurantai. I'm happy they're throwing a show when I'm in Tokyo next month, and they're putting on Masaki Mochizuki versus Minoru Tanaka. I bet that's going to be awesome. Thank you for that, Tokyo Gurantai, for listening to this. I hated you in Dragon Gate 2000, and pretty much always, but especially this period when they were there all the time, and it was driving me crazy. I don't know. I, going a little bit back to the to the MCKZ and the 2KZ turn, I remember the video that KZ, that MCKZ at the time, there was a video that was done about how frustrated he was with World 1, and if I'm right, and I'm probably getting the dates wrong, this was around the time that Tanizaki had that really, really great Brave Gate win. And just like him, like, I, I, it took him a long time to really be kind of become a wrestler that he is today. But I, this video sticks out with me. And, and it led to someone who was, I still think to this time, 
is the longest tenured he- who at the time became the longest tenured heel in Dragon Gate history. Yeah, six and a half years. He's the only guy to be in every heel unit we're gonna ever gonna talk about from here through Mad Blanky. So, um, Brad, do you have any thoughts on this whole? I actually, period? I didn't know that that he had that distinction. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I hated all this. <laughs> I did. I did like the backslide from hell. So there was that piece at least. Um, yeah, I don't have much to say. I just, I really did not like any of what was going on on the heel side at this point. And I was kind of uh, going through a crisis of, uh, do I even like Dragon Gate anymore right now? Uh, which lasted through Real Hazard. Yeah, I mean, there's one period for Real Hazard where I'll give them props, but we're gonna, we're about to get to that. Let's get to it. Uh, yeah, so rest of 2009 isn't really that great until we get to the Generation War. Now, the Generation War itself was fucking stupid. Because, first of all, it made no sense. The new generation, okay, is represented by World 1, so you have Dory and Yoshino, you have the, you know, BB Hulk, you have the Kamikaze guys, that's all fine, except for Dragon Kid, and, and they made clear that Dragon Kid was not down with the rest of it, and he ended up leaving Kamikaze for Warriors 5 for this reason. Then, Masaki Mochizuki brings in Takuya Sugawara. I, I liked Sugawara when originally... What? His, his, no, 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 no. Let me finish. I liked him in Toriumon and in Aganish. What? <laughs> I'm the one person who liked him, I guess. Ugh. But I will admit, even as probably the biggest Sugawara fan in history, his return sucked. It was really bad. He was out of shape. He couldn't keep up with anyone. I always have a, I've always had a soft spot for the guy. He was terrible. They pushed I can't, him so hard. Oh. They pushed him so hard, I know. He was terrible. Even beyond that, Mochizuki adds him to the team veteran side. He debuted after Doi and Yoshino, who were the leaders of the new generation. Doi and Yoshino debuted at early T2P. Sugarera debuted at the end of T2P. I love that, like, this, how old this guy is or how long he'd been tenured is your biggest problem with the fact that this horrible wrestler got pushed so hard. But it just made no sense. Yeah. Uh, oh, don't be crazy. They never they never mentioned this enormous plot hole. How can a man be your generational peer in a generation war if he's younger than the two men you're fighting? It doesn't make any sense. Oh, I, I, you're not wrong. <laughs> I, I mean, they've always played pretty hard, fast, and loose with what generation is what. I... I, the, the only bright side to Sugawara's return, to me at least, was that we got the the proper send-off to Anthony W. Mori. So Yes, he hit him with a with bouquet of roses. That was pretty funny. But uh, other yeah. than that... And then Mori goes, thank you, Henry. <laughs> uh, other than that, it, it was something... I, I, I'm not going to blame Zero One, but over the time that, that he left and all that happened... He got he got really out of shape and just could not do the Dragon Gate style anymore, and that was that became very apparent very quickly when okay, he returned. Can we just back that up half a step anymore? He was never good. He was uh, always bad. Brad doesn't like Segura. I I enjoyed his original heel turn and stuff. I don't know. I want, I don't actually know where you can even find my reviews from this time period anymore because I shut my website down. There's some. Oh no, I do. You can get them in my books on Amazon, but I don't want to be that much of a shill. I just want someone to copy and paste my my 
agita around Sugawara around this time. I, I don't even think I was reviewing his matches. I think I was just swearing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay. I mean, okay, the, they did de-push him eventually, and we'll get into this. But um, So he shows up. We have the Generation War going on. At the same time, a very mysterious Dr. Muscle starts appearing with Ryu Saito and attacking BB Hulk. Now, okay, it was obvious this was Susumu from the very moment he appeared. Um, and even they made fun of that when Ryu Saito did the review, and he just, or the reveal, I mean, and he goes, by now even small children should be able to tell it's Susumu. And Dr. Muscle pulls the mask off and it's Susumu. So Susumu joins Real Hazard in, on, um, I believe this was, what was the date? December 3rd. So this is, Cyber Kong leaves on November 15th, by the way. That's not really that important. But um, they, Dragon Gate announced he was gonna, they were going to release him from his contract. That ended up being bullshit anyway. But um, yeah, so Kong is gone at this point. But now, December 3rd, Dr. Muscles is Susumu. This is the period I'm talking about that was awesome. I was so into Ryusuka attacking BB Hulk and everybody for the next couple weeks. Even when Ryu Saito went down with his freak injury on, um, what was the date of that? I think it was the 15th. Yeah, the 15th. So Ryu goes down with his injury on December 15th, a ruptured Achilles tendon. It's going to keep him out on the shelf indefinitely. They immediately replace him in all these matches with an X. December 20th, Kinky calls out the X. It's freaking Kness. Kness is finally a heel again. This was so cool. This is the one month that I love Real Hazard. I don't know what you guys feel about this, but I love this entire thing. The, like, weird Do-Fixer reunion vibe going on at the time. I don't know what you guys think, but... Yeah, it was great. Dark Do-Fixer is the best. Yeah. But it was also, like, it it didn't have legs. Yeah. I mean, we're going to get into, you know, the end of it, but... I wish it had got... I think it could have gotten longer than they they did it. They could have gotten, like, six months out. Well, nothing with Kness can go on long because he gets injured every five minutes. That is true. It was a great short time period of heel Kness. I'd argue that whenever Kness turns heel, we saw we saw it last year with Mad Blanky. It's always great. I he has something that like I don't know. I always enjoy his five minutes of wrestling before he blows out his shoulder each month. So I liked it. Yeah. Um. So so that was the real hazard thing. Um. Final Gate December twenty seventh had a bunch of interesting things. First of all, Sugarera pins the Dreamgate champion, Naruki Doi, the unbeatable Dreamgate champion who had made eight successful title defenses and got over a full year with the title, loses to Sugarera in a non-title match. Um, to be fair, it came with a guitar-wielding Dr. Muscle, who was going to be Ken 45, but that didn't work out because Ken 45 got injured. That was bizarre. They just, they just dropped him after the injury. I don't know what really happened there. Have you ever seen Ken 45 wrestle? <laughs> <laughs> So why were they going to bring him in in the first place? Because they were doing this whole, like, Toriumon, young boy, what's his name, Kagatora's friends thing, and, or Sugawara's friends thing, and it, it was dumb. I'm glad he got hurt. <laughs> um, but, so anyway, so Sugawara pinned Doi. I'm sure you had a, a wonderful reaction to this, Brad. I just, can we not talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> so um, we'll move on then. The trio of Kanda, Genki, and Tokyo Gurentai leader Nosawa Range came up short in challenging Mochizuki, Don Fuji, and Akibono. Yes, that Akibono. Um, for the Triangle Gate titles. Real Hazard finally 
friggin' turns on Nosawa after, like, three years, basically, of Tokyo Gurren type participation in the heel units. Because they were around for Muscle Outlaws, too, which I, no one really remembers. But, um, so that finally ends Gurren relationship with the heel unit. Thank God. Um, but unfortunately for all of us, the veterans kind of came to his aid and shook hands with him. I, I, I'll never forget Jay's report of this. The veterans come to his aid, he shook hands with them, and then it's just dot, 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 like the dot's gone forever because of how clearly upset he was with this turn of events. But, um, yeah, their occasional participation occurred, continued, but did not continue, um, as frequently as we saw in 09, thank God. Um, I don't know if anyone actually has any thoughts on that. My only use for for Nasawa is when he brings in 80-year-old wrestlers on his birthday just to lose to them. So that's all I got to say about him and Tokyo Gurantai. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> so then we had the main event six-way cage match. Um, Kanash replacing Ryu Saito in it. Uh, it came down to Yoshino and Susumu. Yoshino had many opportunities to escape himself, but he kept helping BB Hulk get out of the cage instead. Because I guess Hulk's hair was the thing that had to be saved. Unfortunately for him, Shingo would take it. But anyway, um, just what it seemed like Yoshino was going to escape and leave Susumu to get shaved, Sugarera suddenly appears out of nowhere and nails him with the red box. That was a cute little callback to Agon, I do have to say. And then Suzumu calls out Ryu Saito's name before using the double cross. That is kind of weird slash hilarious because the double cross is a move that Ryo invented after turning on Susumu, which is, you know, kind of funny. So he hits Yoshino with it. That leaves the poor speed star to get his head shaved. Um, that kind of never went anywhere. I thought the time was going to go somewhere, but because Yoshino just looked so upset that the rest of World won afterwards, but... That never really led to anything, right? Well, that's sort of the thing about these, um, you know, guys crying in Dragon Gate. These guys are just crybabies. That's there's no, it never goes anywhere. Um, but so that le- that left us with easily the most bizarre ending in Dragon Gate history, with all the members of Real Hazard plus Sugarera, who of course joined, drinking these beers on top of the cage. It was a, probably a fitting end to a really bizarre, weird, not very good year, but. That's that's Real Hazards 2009. Not good. Speaking of drinking. Yes. So so we have the traditional break at the start of 2010. Genki Horiguchi just makes a random-ass post on the Real Hazard blog, and he declares Real Hazard is going to win more matches through teamwork this year rather than through interference in weapon play. Does anybody know why Genki Horiguchi did this? Because in the storyline, it never really made any sense, and I don't really understand it at all. I think... I think it's just the usual thing of Genki every once in a while wanting everyone to be nice. I mean, he he kind of did it a little bit in uh, in in Muscle Outlaws too. It just there always is some, has to be someone in a heel unit saying, "Hey, why don't we try to be nice and not use box attacks?" And they usually get dealt with pretty quickly. Yeah. So um, so this led to a little period where they're all fighting. Um, we end up basically with two sides with Genki, Kaness, and Susumu on the clean fight side, and they're, you know, the the X do fixer together, so I guess it makes sense that Kaneska sided with Genki. And then you have the rest of Real Hazard. You have Kanda, KZ, um, Arakin, 
I guess that's it, right? Who, who am I forgetting? Sugawara was still around. Oh, Sugawara, yeah. And they're the they're the heel fight side. Um, Kagatora joins again during this period, and this time his stay lasts even less than his first one. He he immediately regretted it because of how much they were fighting, and then within three weeks he leaves. He, or he gets kicked out of War, of uh, Real Hazard actually, and he ends up in Warriors, or he ends up in um. Kamikaze. Yeah, wasn't this the the fame Tozawa motivational life coach time yes. period? The, the the wise sage Tozawa. And it led to that Kagatora contra Kagatora match with Warriors 5 when they decided they wanted him back, which was pretty funny. I still and think that's Tozawa's gimmick. I like him in like the tracksuit being the coach buddy. <laughs> it was pretty good. Um, so anyway, so we get the end of Real Hazard here. It just kind of happened, which is weird. I didn't, like... On top of everything else for Real Hazard, the dissension period was just kind of sudden, and it was really sudden when it ended in February. Like, they just kind of suddenly declared that Zumu, Genki, and Kines were out. And then Kineska, like, went off on their own because Genki was getting pinned all the time, and Genki didn't want to hold them back anymore. So Genki splits off and ends up in Warriors, and Kineska kind of ends up as their own tag team. And then that leads basically to the end of Real Hazard. And the rest, the remaining members declare they're deep drunkers. Any final thoughts on Real Hazard? I think they're pretty bad. They're one of the worst heel units. They they had a couple periods where they were really exciting. That one December, that one month in December was really cool. The early part was pretty cool with Sh- before Shingo turned. But other than that, like everything in between was pretty bad. Um, as I mentioned, I just think they're. I think you can call them not the worst quality wise, but probably the worst historically because. They were the beginning of this real crappy. They were the beginning and the large part of this real crappy time in uh, Dragon Gate for heels. Yeah, and you didn't have a Dreamgate winner during the entire the, the entire time frame because basically right after Shingo won, he was out, and so they they never really had a high station. And I would argue that they're not the worst one because we're about to talk about the worst one. Yeah, oh, no, I wouldn't. I, I'd say they're not the worst, but they're they're high up there. Um, and also, let's so, let's just be really real about who. I don't, can I say? Oh, you said deep drunkers. Let's be real about who the deep drunkers are. It's still real hazard, just with beer. Yes, we're going to talk about that in a second. But um, before we get to deep drunkers, the only saving grace for real hazard is that I at least like their color scheme. Their entrance theme was really cool which is more than you can say for Deep Drunkers. That's a really so, Dragon Gate fan kind of answer to that. Like, I really like their <laughs> costumes and their music. <laughs> Heel Sida looked cool. Yeah, I, I love... the. I think if you're a Dragon Gate fan, you have to appreciate the aesthetics, but I don't know. The Japanese fans certainly do. <laughs> All right, so, pause for Deep Drunkers.
Drunkers. The Deep Drunkers began on March 3rd at Cork and Hall. Um, they revealed they were dropping the Real Hazard name, replacing it with the Deep Drunkers name. As Brad alluded to, this is really just a continuation of the rest of Real Hazard. They didn't add any new members. It was still Arakin, Sugarera, Kanda, KZ. Um, they became even bigger jobbers than Real Hazard had been, which is kind of amazing. But the problem is they didn't have anyone even on the level of, like, Ryo or Sairio or Susumu. They just kind of, like, lost all the time. I mean, they lost a four-on-two handicap elimination match to Kaneska at the end of April, right after their formation. Now, the babyfaces got assisted by Ryu Saito, which was, you know, cool and stuff. But, um, you know, still, why are you losing a four-on-two handicap match, you know? I don't know. Yeah. They were they were jobs. There was a really good opportunity here to do a kind of um drunken fist kind of uh stable and they didn't even try. You know, I never thought yeah. of that before. And they definitely lost the opportunity to do that. The the only like high point I remember from this, and I remember this from D V D V R was the drinking contest. Yeah, those are pretty good. I don't even remember that. That happened? Yeah, the, it was a uh, it was Arakan versus Kagatora. They had like a drinking oh, contest but before a match, and I forgot who was the one who who wrote it for DVDVR, but wrote like this really crazy fantasy uh, magical realism about about Kagatora looking back at it 50 years from now. It was weird, but uh, that that's my only high point. Other and even as the world's biggest Arakan fan, yeah, it's cute that anyone thinks that any Dragon Gate wrestler will still be alive 50 years from now. <laughs> Is that too dark? Oh, <laughs> that was a little dark. Sorry. All right. So to be fair to the Drunkers, they did follow up that ridiculous loss by winning the Triangle Gate titles. They beat Mochizuki, Fuji, and Akabono at Dead or Alive. Yeah. That reign lasted eight days. <laughs> they lost the belts to Shima, Gamma, and Genki on May 13th. Thank God. That that was their only tri- title reign in the entire history of Deep Drunkers. Um, what did they do at Kobe World Hall that year? The biggest show of the year for Dragon Gate. They were in one match, an opening six man again. They defeated the top level team of Mark Haskins, Naoki Tanazaki, and Katoka. All right, deep drunkers. I, don't, I have no memory of that match, by the way. I don't know if either one of you guys. That's what those matches are for. <laughs> Sugawara, by the way, disappeared at this point. Um, I think, like Brad was alluding to, Sugawara was supposed to be the top line guy in in um you know in deep drunkers. Because he got two pins over Naroki Door, you know? I mean, obviously they were playing for something. But they kind of realized pretty quickly how bad he was. 
And by the time he got into the rest of 2010, he was just kind of there. And then they got rid of him for a while, although he did come back at the end of Deep Drunkers. So um, I don't know how much we have to even talk about them. They were pretty terrible. The the only period I even cared for them at all was um, if when Naoki Tanazaki turned heel and joined Deep Drunkers at the very end, I think of September 17th. He was kind of cool as a heel. I always really liked heel Naoki. And he added something to the unit a little. So at least they had something, you know. They felt like they finally had, like, some life again. And I think this one, he had that really, um, one of those Dragon Gate moments that'll stand out for me is when he had this brawl with Kagatora, I think it was, like, all around the arena. And the two of them were just, like, stripping as they fought. Those two so. have great chemistry, both in wrestling and sexually. <laughs> um, I I actually I'll give I'll, I'll I'll chime in here and agree with you. I've always been a giant Tanasaki fan, and I thought this was going to be part of a big push for him, and I was very sad when it wasn't. Yeah, I mean, I think the problem is that he's um, still to this day freelance, so like he doesn't get the biggest push ever, unfortunately. But um, yeah. Uh, so the last month of Deep Drunkers was fun. I'll give I'll give them that. Let's give them the last month when Naoki joined. Uh, and then we had that unit must disband match against World One, and Deep Drunkers was done on October thirteenth. Um, so Deep Drunkers, we can all agree, was crap. Yep. Yeah. I don't know if we have to say much else about them. They were the weakest Dragon Gate heel unit. They were probably the worst heel unit. I don't, I I mean not even probably they were the worst heel unit. The only unit that I would say was is worse maybe is Shin, is Shin M2K if we're talking about all units. But it's really close. They're both really terrible. Uh, Shin M2K was boring, but they weren't. I wouldn't say they were worse. They didn't. They didn't take up so much time. I guess that's true. Um, and this was really the end of any semblance of Arakan being a top-rate Dragon Gate wrestler. Oh, shucks. <laughs> I, I I I still go back and watch my uh, Araiwa Araiwa DVDs. It's okay. I can get. Th- I got through it. So. Deep Drunkers, really bad. And even if we're going to talk about the aesthetics, their logo sucked. Their color scheme was basically non-existent. I hate their theme song. I know that's a minority opinion. I know a lot of people love their theme song. But the belching thing is a joke. You should not start your top heel unit with a joke. And it just doesn't sound heelish to me. Like, we're, we played it before the start of the we started talking about the unit. It just sounds like, it sounds like a babyface unit theme song to me. I don't know. Especially the chorus. It's just, I don't... It, it never worked. Yeah, they played it I don't know for you... comedy. Yeah. Okay. So Deep Drunkers, crap. We all agree on that.
unit we're going to talk about is Team Doi. This shouldn't take that long since it's only it was only around for like three months. Um, so this would be the start of the heel unit revival, right, Brad? Is that fair to say? Yeah, um, and I also like that there was sort of a hard reset on the whole heel thing. Like you said, you called it Team Doi, but that wasn't their official name. They didn't have one. Um, I think I called them the Nameless Nudniks at the time, just because I had no clue what to call these guys. Um, but, you know, the most important thing is they had Doi. Yes, they had a top-line guy who had just been Dreamgate champion for over a year. They had a top wrestler. Your heel unit needs a top wrestler. This should not be complicated, and it really, ever since here, they always have at least one top guy in the unit, in the heel unit, usually more than one. Even during, like, the early Mad Blanky period, Tozawa and Hulk were still treated, like, above the rest of the unit. Yeah, man, they got Toyashi um, now. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Well, I don't know. He's not really going to hear I don't know. Right? I actually have no idea. Yeah. No, no, no. He he just kind of like, he didn't turn on you. It, it, it's complicated. Let's not get into okay. that. The point is, though, so Team Doi, you have Doi with the rest of um, with the rest of Deep Drunkers, except for Conda, who they explicitly kicked out of the unit. Like, Kate, Conda basically wandered in after that, the, the end of T- Deep Drunkers, when, um, so basically, World 1 beat Team Drunkers in that match. You could basically say Deep Drunkers threw the match. Doi pinned Naoki with uh, a flash pin. And then Doi immediately turns on Yoshino and takes over. And then Khan's like, how is this allowed? We have to disband. And KZ just points out, this is not Deep Drunkers anymore. It's a new unit, and you're not going to be part of it because you're just dragging us all down. So they beat the crap out of poor poor Arakin. And that's the end of Arakin as a heel. Although he continued to come after the Deep Drunkers theme in that outfit for like a year after, which is really funny. More than that. Uh, like two, yeah, like two years, I think. I think right. he wore that to a Corkin last year, actually. <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, uh, not the theme, but just the uh, jumpsuit. He, he yeah. wears it to the garbage indie season all the time. Yeah. So so Arakan will be Deep Drunkers forever, I guess. Um, so yeah, so you have Doi taking over the rest of the unit. Unfortunately, Sugawara came back after he had been gone for like three months. Um, he, he amassed as the new doc, he was like a doctor muscle that was like assisting them. So you have Doi, Naoki, Kanda, KZ, and Sugawara. Gamma joined in November, which was really cool because Gamma's always been better as a heel, in my opinion. And even if you don't think much of Gamma, which I know a lot of Dragon Gate fans don't, he's still clearly a higher ranked guy than everybody else that had been involved in the heel unit that year. So... It, it it was a clear sign that things were turning. Yeah, I like Gamma. Heel, I like Gamma too, but I know a lot of fans hate him. So I always give that little like disclaimer. Um, He's a lovely man and an apt businessman. That's a that's all I really have to think about Gamma. <laughs> so Gamma joins the Team Dory unit. Dory and Gamma win the Twin Gate, um, and then we kind of get into Blood Warriors, which we don't really have to get into today. But 
Um, so yeah. So wh- why do people? Why do you think, Brad? Maybe you were you were paying close attention in 2010. What 2010? The story of Dr- Deep Drunkers to me is one of every single babyface in Dragon Gate deciding to be are like every wrestler in Dragon Gate, every top line guy deciding they're going to stay babyface and not turn heel. Why do you think they went all 2010 without turning anybody until the door, team Doid thing started? Uh, that's interesting. Maybe because they were about to turn half the roster heel. Um, <laughs> and they wanted to give people a break. I, I, you know, here, part of it is, um, around this time who the, the book moved around a lot. So I think that might've had something to do with it. Um, and it was done poorly. Whoever had it back then. And, uh, right up until the Doyoshino split, it was, I don't know. It was just real crap on the heel side. I don't. I don't have too much to add. I couldn't tell you why. It, it was weird. Because I was what, one theory I've heard, and that I I actually kind of under I kind of get why this theory was going around, is they were trying to rebuild the fan base after the animal scandal in two thousand nine. So maybe they thought they need to be more lighthearted for a while and be more like everything's happy, you know. Maybe I don't give a lot of credence to these kinds of rumors, but on the other hand, I also don't really understand the Japanese fan base. Um, my understanding for a long time had always been they were very interested in the looks of the wrestlers, right? It's a more female fan base than most uh, Japanese wrestling promotions, a more homosexual fan base than most Japanese wrestling promotions. Um, so I think what they're looking for and what American indie fans are looking for are very different. Um, and I, so just I only bring that up to say I don't know how big of a, a problem the animal scandal was, but probably bigger than I imagined. Yeah, it was a pretty big deal. When I mean, everything I've read and heard people talk about it, it was like it was a it made like major headlines in Japan. So they were there was a fear that it could even end Dragon Gate. So um so that's why I think maybe twenty ten was about like trying to rebuild the image of Dragon Gate and be all happy go lucky. And then once they realized that um, you know, everything was fine, it's like, okay, well now we can get back into like having strong heels again. So I don't know. I, I kinda buy into that theory. Yeah, I co sign that. It just Everything kind of lines up in a way, and I'm always of the belief that things make make too much sense, and that's probably what happened. So, yeah, and it also, as during this time period, there was so much focus then towards Dragon Gate USA, and I think that might have had a little bit to contribute to this, so they wanted to keep their big star's face so that when they went over to the States, they could still be huge faces. I mean, that's... Which is that's, insane, because they, they became popular on the strength of uh, Blood Generation. Oh, absolutely. It, 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 it's just pure speculation on my part, but that, that just kind of makes sense to me in my head. Okay, so we talked about 2010 and everything. Um, anybody have any other thoughts on Team Doi specifically? Great. I thought they were really cool. Great theme. And the, mis- the mysterious... Yes, the theme song was awesome. Glitter might be my favorite theme song, Letting Heal Unit. It's, really, it's high up Your there. Your favorite movie too, right? <laughs> no, not my favorite movie. But the... Team Dory was a really cool unit, I thought. I really enjoyed them. but And, and the whole mystery thing, because Dory started hinting right away that something bigger was going on here. And, of course, that ended up being Blood Warriors. But that whole mystery vibe was really cool, too. Yeah, I think that's when his catchphrase of that really started, was during Team Doi. Yeah. Any other thoughts on Team Doi, Brad? I liked it a lot. No other thoughts. Yeah. All right, so I guess we can pretty much wrap it up here. Um, maybe we'll do this again for Blood Warriors, since that was such a <laughs> that was such like a a huge period for Dragon Gate fandom, and 
I actually kind of feel like a lot of our audience probably picked it up during that period of oh, 2011. For them. They missed so much good stuff. They did. But I, as someone who's been a Dragon Gate fan forever, I feel like I saw more people talking about it during the Blood Warriors <laughs> versus Junction 3 period than a lot of other periods, especially yeah. before. As you guys that's, so, probably, that's probably a Dragon Gate USA thing. That's true, too. <laughs> Tozawa. <Yeah>. Tozawa. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Brad, Michael, thank you both for joining us today. It was my well, pleasure. Absolutely. It was a delight. And for everybody else out there in listener land, since this went like an hour and six minutes, I'm going to release it as its own episode. So look out for episode four, which would be the entire panel talking current happenings in Dragon Gate. Um, That should be coming out in the next week or so. All right. For Michael and Brad and everybody else, thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. Here it comes again. Lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.